You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. How's it going? It's Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I hope you are all doing well on this Monday. And uh, for some Bengals fans, it's a it's a case of the Mondays, if you will, as uh, some of the news coming forward for the Cincinnati Bengals at the onset of free agency has not been what uh, many people had envisioned. Um, I, look, well, well, I'm going to get to a lot of news, uh, both about the Bengals and then just kind of some stuff around the league. Um, there, there's a lot to go on here. Uh, there's a lot going on this week, and there's a lot more to happen this week. I'm going to preface all of this, rants, questions of yours, everything. I'm going to preface all of it by saying that this probably was a little bit more active than we assumed the Bengals would be on the first day of free agency. And when I say the first day – um, today being Monday, this is the quote-unquote legal tampering period. So I guess to a lot of folks, essentially, you know, this is the first day of free agency. Players are agreeing to things in principle. And if you're, a, a you know, a, a player with a specific team, um, you, you know, you can re-sign on, on this day. So, so in a lot of ways, it is the first day of free agency, the kickoff to free agency, okay? I don't know what the Bengals are thinking with the contract they gave to Bobby Hart. And I'm not a guy who likes to sit here and absolutely rip people about their jobs. And I mean, everybody's employed. Some people are better at their jobs than others. Um, you know, I don't like to, to mess with people's livelihoods and, and all of that. But that being said, this, this contract, this reported contract that the Bengals re-signed Bobby Hart to a three-year deal $21 million for a guy that was one of the worst. I believe he was the 68th rated tackle by Pro Football Focus last year, and he played all 16 games, so there was a pretty big sample size. If you are a Pro Football Focus fan, that has to worry you, okay? If you are someone who just watches the tape more so than looking at certain metrics by Pro Football Focus, there, is a lot, there are a lot of issues on tape from Bobby Hart as well. Compounding that is the fact, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but the fact that the Bengals essentially extended a tender offer to Alex Redmond, who was the starting right guard last year and had a lot of struggles himself, mainly in the way of penalties for, for Redmond. Hart was actually just basically pass protection. He just was not very good in pass protection. In bringing both of those guys back, 
you are essentially telling everybody, the coaching staff, fans, your, your players in the locker room, that you are sticking with the five guys on the offensive line that you trotted out last year, and it was one of the worst units in the NFL. Now, granted, Billy Price missed about five or six games last year because of an injury. They had to kind of shuffle things around. Even so, he struggled when he was out there. Trey Hopkins is a decent – another guy they extended a tender to, and we'll talk about that in a second. Trey Hopkins is a decent swing guy, spot starter, a good guy to have around. And to me, the contract he got should have been the one that Bobby Hart – should have been the one that was offered to Bobby Hart. Not a $7 million a year on average contract to Bobby Hart, okay? Bobby Hart was a guy who was let go by the Giants after 2017 – with poor attitude problems, there was there were workout question problems, and then he just wasn't very good, and the Giants line was awful that year. If you remember, that's why they, they went after Nate Solder and, and drafted a, uh, the Hernandez kid in the draft. Uh, it, so they really had a bad offensive line in 2017. He was part of it, and they got rid of him. The Bengals pick him up as one of their free agency guys last year, and they did it. Uh, that was in February. That wasn't even in March because Hart had been cut. And all of a sudden, he starts 16 games, and now he gets this, this lucrative contract. Numbers are, are, are not quite out yet in terms of guaranteed money, in terms of, you know, if there's a friendly opt-out by the Bengals later, you know, later down the road. We don't know that quite yet. But if, if we're just taking, a, you know, it's just kind of a macro view, $7 million a year, he, it puts him, I've heard, both the ninth highest or the 13th highest paid right tackle. Now, right tackles don't get as much money as left tackles, but – it puts him basically as the 11th highest paid right tackle in the NFL. And that just is not based on his performance last year, based on metrics, whatever you want to use as a baseline, he is not deserving of that kind of deal. And to me that this, this screams of a lot of different issues, right? Um, Cincinnati always, as they do it through Jeff Hobson dot, uh, at bangles.com, um, they do it through other, you know, kind of mouthpieces, I guess, uh, that they put out in the media. And, and it's not – I mean, Jeff reports what he hears from the team because he's very close to the team. So it's not – I mean, it's not a Jeff Hobson thing. It's a Bengals thing. Um, they they tell you that, the, that the, there's not money to spend. They have the rookie pool. They have the in-season injury windfall fund. Um, things that basically other teams never mention when they enter free agency. And uh, the, the Bengals have been burned in the past by outside free agents in terms of, you know, paying some big money and it just didn't work out. Antoine Odom, uh, Antoine Odom Antonio Bryant, um, you know, but regardless, I mean, we're talking about a decade since the Antonio Bryant thing and more so since uh, longer than that for Odom. So you got to get past that if that's what they're what they're hanging on to. Now you sit here and you say, okay, you have seven, this $7 million that's probably going to be hitting the cap for Bobby Hart this year. Why would you not use that and then maybe a little bit more on a more higher impact player, either at that position or at linebacker? You know, Quan Alexander, he got overpaid. We'll talk about that in a second. But that's a guy who could maybe help you a bit. Um, there's CJ Mosley still floating out there. He's probably going to demand even more than the $13.5 million per year that Quan Alexander is supposedly getting. Still, 
these are guys that are Pro Bowl players. These are guys that can help your team immediately. Bobby Hart was one of the worst at his positions last year. I don't understand this. I don't understand the mindset. Um, for those that watch, read my material, watch or listen to the Orange and Black Insider podcast I do, I am hoping to get someone from the Bengals organization, be it a coach, somebody on the show to help to help explain the rationale behind this. Because quite honestly, myself and others that follow this team, cover this team through the media, all of that, we don't get it. Uh, go look at Paul Daner Jr.'s Twitter account. Go look at Kat Terrell's Twitter account. Look at myself, Joe Goodberry, others at Cincy Jungle. Look around. None of us understand this deal. We, we, don't, we don't get it. And, uh, I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing fans here. Jay Long, $21 million, what in Sam Hell. Uh, I mean, more of the same by Steve Schlee. Uh, you know, James Kell, apparently the hashtag new day is, is still the hashtag same day. Yeah, I mean, and really, you know, it, that's, that, that is very, uh, very true. Um, and like I said, it appears now that the Bengals are set to go into um, to go into 2018 with the same five starting linemen on paper as they had in 2018, which was one of the basically one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. They were decent at, at run blocking at times. Joe Mixon, uh, you know, had a couple of hundred yard games to end. He had three hundred yard games to end the year um, out of the last four games played but I mean even still you saw a number of occasions where he was fighting guys off in the backfield right after getting a handoff because blocking was poor so to me if you sit here and you were if you're Zach Taylor and this new staff and you're inheriting this team and you say you you look at that unit both on paper you look at the film you look at where those players were drafted all of that stuff and you take that into equation and you come into 2019 you say I want those same exact five guys in those same exact spots I don't know now as I mentioned, there were some tender options to, uh, and this was before, prior to Monday, I believe it was Friday. The Bengals extended offers to restricted free agents, uh, you know, and, and um, basically Trey Hopkins got a second round tender, which was much higher. Obviously, he was an undrafted guy, so they value him pretty highly. He's going to make some decent money, I think. I don't, I don't think anyone out there is really going to give up a second round pick to get Trey Hopkins, but I do think it, what that was the right move by the Bengals. I think he's a valuable swing guy. I think he, he can play basically three three positions on the offensive line, tackle, center, and guard. Uh, center and guard obviously being his primary positions. I think, I think that was a good move. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, it, maybe he's the guy that ends up taking the right guard spot. Maybe the plan is to move Redmond to tackle. I mean, I'm, I'm getting some of that, those comments on Twitter. I don't see the athleticism there to be to make that move to make anything better there. Um, so to me, it looks like the Bengals are set to field the same five guys at the same five positions on the offensive line this next year, and that's um, that's saying something. But at any rate, uh, just kind of on a related note, Brandon Wilson, the backup safety and special teams player, did sign his res restricted free agent offer. Uh, it's a one-year deal, so he will be staying with the Bengals. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of good news there as a, as a backup player. And then the Bengals made, uh, you know, a pretty decent move, maybe a little more expensive than, than people thought, but CJ Uzoma signed a three year, $18 million deal to stay with the Cincinnati Bengals. And he, he will be staying with the team going forward. Uh, very underrated and valuable guy. Um, the reason I like this move, I don't really like the amount of money. I like the year amount. I think three years is a perfect amount for, for him. He's young. 
Um, he, I, I like him because he has improved from year to year. I think that that is a, a very um, – there's been a noticeable improvement by Uzama from year to year. And he came into the Bengals as a fifth-round pick um, as, as a project. I mean, he didn't even have a tight end position coach at Auburn. So, um, you know, you got you, you to gotta give kudos there. The Tyler Eifert and Tyler Croft – we'll talk about Croft in a second – both were injured for majority of last year. Uzama was actually injured himself, shoulder injury. I, I actually specifically remember early in the season when he, he kind of had like a stinger looking thing on his shoulder and it kept coming back. And I think he left the Cleveland game briefly, but came back, set career highs in receptions, yards and touchdowns. I think he had about, uh, I think it was 42 catches, 439 yards and three touchdowns. So, um, you know, Good for him. He's earned a pay raise. I don't know that he's earned necessarily $6 million a year, but you know what? You look at the NFL landscape, guys are just making more money everywhere. Even guys that really aren't that great of players um, are not making more. And the Bengals decided probably they, had, they have four free agent tight ends entering the market. Um, so they probably decided, you know, maybe we'll pay two of them, um, maybe just one. And if it came to Uzama and Croft, they decided to give that money to Uzama, higher upside, more athletic, and do a little bit more uh, as a receiver. Now, Croft did have a good year in 2017 as a red zone target. He, had, he led the, te- the team in uh, touchdown, or I think he was second on the team in touchdown receptions with seven. So, I mean, he, you know, he can do some things as well, but I think the upside is there for Uzama. And, uh, you know, perhaps he's a guy that can thrive a bit more in Taylor's offense going forward. We don't know the future of Tyler Eifert. Uh, we don't know if the Bengals are going to try and get him. To, I, I have heard nothing on this first day of free agency in terms of uh, you know teams being interested in him. And, and quite likely, he's going to be a later signing by whoever. He's probably going to be a guy that is signed after the market kind of settles and the rest of the teams look out there and say, okay, you know, what holes on the roster did we not plug? Who can we get for a bargain type of deal? Who can we, you know, uh, maybe, maybe even a guy that they wait till after the draft. Uh, to see who they even get then. This is a tight end heavy draft, a lot of talent at that position. So maybe teams, if they don't get the tight end they want in the draft, maybe then they look at Eifert, make sure he's healthy, and go from there. So we'll see what happens with Eifert. I think tentatively, if you read between the lines and you see some of the comments that Eifert has made, I think he wants to return to Cincinnati. I don't know how much the Bengals want him back. Uh, there's an article I wrote for CincyJungle.com discussing the pros and cons, um, you know, system fit, health, uh, money, all of that stuff. Uh, how, how heavily do you want to rely on him? All of that, uh, you know, plays into that. So t- check out that article if you get a chance to, um, and that'll elaborate a little bit on what I'm talking about. Tyler Croft, another Bengals tight end. Uh, he recently signed for the Bills and he, not to be uh, not to be outdone. The Bills signed him after the Bengals signed Uzama for three years, eighteen million. The Bills signed Croft for three years, eighteen point seven five million. So uh, they had to just get that extra little little bit of money there. But um, you know, I, I before I went on here, uh, I think it was Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus basically saying, "How is a guy like this getting that much money with you know I, just very very few career catches um, and you know, the Bills, I believe, earlier this, this offseason 
cut Charles Clay loose, a guy they gave some some good money to, had some production, but because of quarterback limitations and all kinds of other stuff, his own injuries, um, they had to let him go. Uh, so so now they're in the market for another tight end. They got Tyler Croft, so Tyler Croft is no longer with the Bengals, at least reportedly at this point, and uh, he appears to be heading to the Bills on a very, very similar deal to what Uzama, uh, Uzama signed. Uh, I'm going to get to some of your questions here in, in just a second, so leave them in the uh, – I'm seeing all kinds of comments and questions, and I appreciate all the viewers. I appreciate all the questions. I'm going to try and get to some, but I want to make sure I update everybody on all of the news and everything that's been happening so far over the past handful of days. I'll be here for a handful of a handful more minutes here. Um, just some, some other news pertaining both to the AFC North and to some potential targets that the uh, that a lot of fans thought the Bengals might be looking at. Well, the Bengals signed, as I mentioned earlier, Bobby Hart at right tackle. Some people thought they might go after a guy like Trent Brown. Some people thought they might go after somebody like Juwan James. Um, Juwan James is apparently leaving the Dolphins. There's been some interest by the by the Broncos. Um, you would think that you know that would have made sense given the immense need at right tackle and Zach Taylor's you know previous connection. Uh, Taylor. Uh, uh, James played under Taylor at, at, with when Taylor was a spot offensive coordinator, an interim offensive coordinator for the Dolphins a handful of years ago. So you would have thought there would have been a connection there. Guess not. So uh, Juwan James is probably off the table for the Bengals. Trent Brown signed with the Raiders, uh, who have just had a crazy offseason so far, uh, following a crazy, <laughs> crazy kind of offseason kickoff to the season and in season <laughs> uh, last year. But the so the Raiders signed Trent Brown, and he's a guy that's uh, basically getting, you know, uh, record-breaking money um, with, with the Raiders there, which is interesting because last year the Raiders drafted two tackles with their first uh, – within their first three picks. Colton Miller was one, and then uh, I, I, some – I can't remember the guy's name. Parker, I believe, was his last name. Uh, was their was their third round pick, I believe, or late second round pick? But uh, basically, within the first sixty first sixty five picks, the Raiders picked Miller and, and this other kid, and uh, now they're ready to to pay Brown. Brown's going to come in and and play tackle. The Raiders also shipped Kalechi Osemele, a guy the Bengals probably could have used at at right guard. Uh, he is going to the Jets. So um, he was hurt last year, but prior to that, all pro, two time Pro Bowler with the Raiders. So um, he he is gone, and and now the Raiders have Brown, they have Miller, and their their uh, their other tackle last uh, that they got last year. Maybe there's some shuffling that'll that'll go on there, but big move there for the Raiders. And also about the Raiders, I'm sure everybody by now knows Antonio Brown is now uh, going to the Raiders. He's being shipped for a third and a fifth round pick um, to the Steelers. The Steelers were very quiet, at least on Monday. Um, they lost Jesse James. They appear to be losing Le'Veon Bell, as we all suspected. And then they traded, uh, you know, Brown there. Uh, there's there's some talk of them being interested in Bradley Roby, the the cornerback of the Broncos. We'll see, uh, and former Ohio State kid. We'll see if that, you know, comes to fruition. But uh, for now, Steelers are a little quiet going forward. One, one last thing. Um, well, a couple couple last moves here. Uh, Landon Collins went to the Redskins on a crazy deal. 
six years, about 85 million um, for a guy that has some limitations. I mean, he's a playmaker, he's a tackler, he, he can make a lot of plays, but he has some limitations as a safety, so much so that a lot of people thought they, that he would be kind of a hybrid safety linebacker for a team. Um, but huge deal, Redskins sign him away from, from their division rival. And uh, another guy that, you know, some people thought, I mentioned him earlier, could be a connection to the Bengals is Quan Alexander, the linebacker from the Buccaneers, is heading to the 49ers on, a, on another big deal. Uh, basically missed most of last year with a knee injury. And, um, you know, he's, he's getting $13.5 million on average. So, uh, well, it's just a big, big deal for him. The one thing I want to uh, – there, there's one thing I want to – address in just a second here uh, just to talk I, I want to look at your comments and questions here on the Facebook live um, Ethan McDaniel any chance we get one of these high profile free agents well that question is is relative because obviously high profile free agents I mentioned I just mentioned some that we thought were good fits Juwan James Landon Collins Quan Alexander Trent Brown we thought these guys would be good we knew we knew they'd be expensive but we thought they would be good fits for the Bengals in terms of position, the history, the, the history with the coaches, all that kind of stuff. And they went on and chased big money. High profile free agents to the Bengals means their own guys that they think are coveted greatly outside of the building. And apparently in some sort of bidding war on themselves, the Bengals decided it was so urgent to re-sign Bobby Hart that they did it on the first day of free agency. So going back to my rant earlier, I, to them, and that's how they're going to probably parlay it to the fans. I hate to I hate to break it to you. They're going to parlay that as a big free agent signing, a high-profile free agency signing. And you're going to hear that, you know, $7 million a year on average and all that stuff is no no peanuts and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's not, but it's not for a player of, of quality, you know, of quality material, in my, in my opinion. So, um I, that term, Ethan, is is totally relative in terms of who who you view as a high profile free agent, who the Bengals view, and and obviously who's left. Um, do you view Darquez Denard as a high profile free agency uh, free agent? Because I tell you what, I think there's going to be a lot of fans that are upset if you, if the Bengals decide to go cheap on a number of different players, both their own and outside of the building. Um, and let a guy like Denard walk while re-signing Hart to this type of deal. And they use that as kind of saying, well, we don't have a lot more space left to sign a guy like Denard. Um, I just, you know, I don't think that's going to sit well with a lot of, with a lot of things. Keith Thompson kind of doing the uh, conspiracy theory here. I wonder if they brought in a young head coach uh, so they can easily control him. Well, it's happened before. Um, nobody wants to make the connection to Dave Shula because that's just not, you know, it's not fair to Taylor. Uh, that's a different era of football, and you know, parody's a little bit more obvious in this in today's NFL than it was in the early and mid '90s. But uh, you got to wonder, and this is something we're going to talk about on the podcast this week. I think is, you know, everybody wanted the new coach. Everybody wanted Marvin, Go and rightfully so. Everybody wanted a new coach and just get get these guys out of the door, get them out of the door overhaul everything and start over well they had to wait to announce their coach until february because of that and for other reasons probably things being undesirable maybe even the fact 
that they tipped their hand that they wanted to re-sign guys like Bobby Hart and they weren't going to be active in outside free agency that could help certain position groups. Coaches said no or no thanks or it didn't it was a mutual, you know, a mutual thing where they said no. Uh so the, the, I know Keith it's kind of a tin foil hat type of type of scenario you're concocting here but I don't think it's that far off base. Um you know and Taylor, I, I'm, <laughs> I hate to say it, I'm older than Zach Taylor, not by much, but I'm, I'm older than Zach Taylor. And, um, you know, guy getting his first head coach in, in football at any level, uh, you know, might be a little bit more easy to sway a certain way. He might be a little bit more of a yes man than Marvin Lewis, who was entrenched in his ways, had 16 years of sway and started moving that franchise in a, in a direction. Very, very early. We don't want to say the sky is falling because of one free agency signing, but this has not been a banner month for the Bengals and Zach Taylor's first start in coaching, in my opinion. And I think there are a lot of issues to work out there. Um, yeah, Kyle Conley talks about the the Croft deal. We talked about that a little bit ago. Um, it's basically the same exact deal. So uh, to me, I, I, I'll reiterate, I'd probably, if you had to choose between the two, I'd prefer Uzama over Croft. But um, so I, there are a couple other things I want to address. I've been going on for a little bit, but there's a couple of other things I want to address before I get out of here. Um, it's very likely that the Cincinnati Bengals believe that they have solved their right tackle issue and they have solved their tight end issue, two, two, two positions that people thought they would pick pretty high in the upcoming draft. Probably within the first three rounds, both of those positions, you would first three or four rounds, those position, positions would probably have been addressed if the Bengals did not sign Hart. They did not sign Uzama, Croft left, all that kind of stuff. You would figure going into free agency, those were two of the higher positions of need, right? Well, I'm, I'm of the mindset. I've been around the Bengals for a long time. I've been covering them since 2011. I've seen and heard a lot. So I know their MO. I know what they're going to try and sell to the fans. That Hart is a guy that they think is a starting right tackle. He's getting starting right tackle money, at least from what we know right now. And then you have Uzama, who maybe, I mean, he's, he's in my opinion, a very good second tight end. Um, maybe they think he's, you know, a guy that can be tight end one. I don't know. But it's very possible that now pick 11 is being opened up to a number of different positions that either aren't viewed as needs or were in the periphery background going into free agency. And I look at quarterback. Obviously, linebacker is still up there. That's the obvious one. And then you look at cornerback. So those three positions, I think, are on the table. Now, going back to linebacker, the Bengals are reportedly one of five teams interested in Brandon Marshall, a guy I thought they would be interested in based on his, you know, availability, not affecting compensatory formula, experience, some productivity, um, and could be had on a reasonable deal because he's battled injuries lately. So – We'll see if they sign him. I don't know. But I think that the Bengals could be looking at one of those three positions as pick 11 rolls around. Now, if you watched or listened to our podcast last week, Greedy Williams is a very talented guy, very fast. Um, 
I don't know that he is necessarily a fit, at least traditionally what the Bengals like out of their cornerbacks. He's more of an off zone, um, you know, not really the physical type of corners that the Bengals traditionally like to employ. Um, You know, William Jackson is the most physical guy, but he's, he is a man to man guy. Kirkpatrick's a man-to-man guy. Those guys will get in there and they'll tackle. Greedy Williams is not that guy. Darquez Denard, a little more stout. Um, you know, slot corners usually are um, physical. He'll bump you, he'll hit you, and he'll tackle. Uh, Greedy Williams is not of that ilk necessarily. So I don't know that even that player would be in consideration. So now, do you really put on the tinfoil hat and say his quarterback? actually now in play at pick 11 now that you think you've solved right tackle and tight end um, is wide receiver in play. Uh, if you don't sign Brandon Marshall and, you know, one of those linebackers, Devin Bush or Devin White are there, I, I assume that's the pick. But what if both of those guys are gone? Or what, what if one of them's gone and you're not, they're not high on the other? Um, I, I, I am very curious. I would be very curious to know what the mindset is um, in terms of the draft going forward now after these couple of moves. Uh, there's there's a possibility that the Bengals make a couple of other moves. Maybe it's Denard and some other internal re-signings. Maybe it's Marshall. I do not expect the team to really make a lot of significant outside moves yet again. Um, just who they are, they're kind of throwing out the smoke signals to that effect through the media. Um, and... Go go look at a tweet by Jay Morrison showing, you know, basically on average it's about nine to ten days before the Bengals make an outside free agency signing. At least that was the case from 2012 to 2018. So um, I don't know that there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of outside activity in these first couple of days. Some may view that as a good thing. Some may view it as a bad thing. Um, that's, just, that's just kind of, I think, where we're at right now. Uh, Drew Ross, just to get out of here, Drew Ross, sunshine says two and 14. Okay. Uh, Mike Holbrook also sunshine. I think the Bengals will let the fans down again. Um, James Kell says quarterback is not the main problem. Need a linebacker or corner. Probably Rod Knight says white or Bush at 11. Those are the two linebackers. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it, they, there's a lot to play out. It's the first day. It actually was kind of a busy day from the Bengals perspective, but comings goings and, um, you know, not necessarily all of the good news that we would like, but, uh, they are, I guess, shoring up some positions in some form or another. You can get all of the news, opinions, analysis, all of that on cincyjungle.com. You can also check out our podcast with myself, Anthony Cazenza and Cincy Jungle contributor, John Sheeran. Uh, the Orange and Black Insider. Uh, we, we record usually on Wednesday nights. So uh, check that out. And, um, you know, we've got it's on iTunes, it's on Stitcher, Google Play, all that kind of stuff. So check that stuff out. Um, and it's on Cincy Jungle too. So we appreciate the support there. But keep it to Cincy Jungle, keep it to our podcast. We'll keep updating you on big news with the, the Bengals, likely with more videos here on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, keep the faith, I guess. We'll see you next time.